can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hey, pool dudes and pool dudettes, it is Thursday, which means it's time to talk about some CPO stuff. August already. Can you believe how fast this summer has gone? One month left of the traditional swim season. I know the folks up north are going to start pulling covers out across pools. Southern states, they're not getting in the water anymore, which means it'll be easier to take care of. But gosh, that whipped by. The years keep going faster. We're in the aftermath of the pandemic. I don't know how that has played an effect on time. I think it's been huge. For me, it's been huge. Chlorine looks like it's going to take another hit. Asbestos, important in the manufacture of chlorine. They use it to make a diaphragm that keeps the, the chlorine away from the caustic soda that they use to produce it. They send the electric waves through that asbestos diaphragm because it can hold up to it. In fact, right now... The chlorine manufacturing industry is the only industry in the United States that still uses asbestos. The threat of cancer for those in the manufacturing facilities is huge. And that's the reason the EPA is looking to shut it down. What it's going to do for chlorine production, I have no idea. I drifted off course a little bit. That's new in the news. That's why I wanted to share it. This is CPO Thursdays, and I want to talk about things that affect the CPO. And there's no one that can say chlorine production does not affect the CPO. We need that stuff, and we can't afford to take more hits on this product. What's next? Locusts? Toads? I've no idea. If you are in need of a CPO certification class, check out my website, cpoclass.com. Go to the schedule registration page. There you will see my schedule through the end of 2022 for both my in-person and my virtual classes. So you can attend one live in person face to face and we can do some hands on things or you can attend from anywhere in the world, wherever you can get an Internet connection. Log in to one of my virtual classes. If you are just looking to practice, you want to get your skills up to speed, or if you want to practice to be the most prepared you possibly can be before you take a CPO class, hit me up on that same website, cpoclass.com. Find the CPO practice test tab. Click on that. You'll see links to all of my CPO Thursday podcasts flashcards, practice test, download worksheets and cheat sheets that you can use. You'll also find some other classes there that you can take some quick ones just to practice to get your skills up to speed. Some are free, some at a fee, but it's always a nominal fee. But check it out. So again, cpoclass.com. Or you can take a look at my other site, onlinepoolclasses.com. I have some cool stuff there, as well as an algae certification course that you could take if you really want to up your skills in that area. Right now, we're going to talk about heavy metals in water. 
and the benefits that we can get from those, because we spend enough time talking on how we can get stains and the other problems they cause, but let's talk about some of the benefits. But before we do that, it's coffee time. going to start this one with what potentially is an extremely unpopular statement and say that metals, if it wasn't for the potential for staining, would be the best method of preventing algae and bacteria growth in a swimming pool, as well as mitigating algae and bacteria growth in a swimming pool. Do you hear me out? All you naysayers who just went, because I know use of metals in pools, we don't want that. But we do it all the time. If you've ever used the phosphate remover, I don't care whose phosphate remover it is, you're using metals in the water to do that. Heavy metals is what we use to remove phosphates. Aluminum sulfate, we know pool folks all across the country, all across the world are using alum to remove phosphates from pool water. If you're purchasing the bottles off the shelf, you're using the heavy metal lanthanum to remove phosphates from pool water. So it's metals one way or the other. The difference in the two is where you want to clean up the mess. With aluminum sulfate, of course, it's going to flock and all settle down at the floor in that cotton candy looking sludge that you get. If it's lanthanum, you're going to be looking at doing a million and a half, all right, maybe four or five, filter cleanings before you get that resolved and still have the potential to find precipitant on the floor that you need to vac to waste. So we use metals. Even your water municipality, the very first thing they do when they pull that water from the reservoir is they treat that water with aluminum sulfate because it will drop out everything. All the floating particles, the phosphates, arsenic, cryptosporidium, giardia, it takes it all out. So that water that you have in the swimming pool, that water that you drink from your tap or even fill your bathtub or flush your toilet with has already been treated with alum. And if you treat it with alum, You're not treating it with alum for the first time. You're just simply treating it again. And removal of phosphates is important. There are things you can control that algae needs, and there are things that you cannot. Phosphates happens to be one of the things that we can control, and that's why we use these products, because if you lower your phosphate levels, you are less likely to have a bout with algae. Doesn't mean if you have phosphates in the water that you're going to have this problem that you can't handle because we took care of water with phosphates in it long before phosphate removing became a thing in the pool industry. Late 90s, mid to late 90s. 
but we took care of pools perfectly fine before then. The big difference now is going to be in the amount of chlorine that you have to use to keep the pool algae-free. So yes, you can do it without the phosphate removers, but you will be using more chlorine to do it than you would be if you lower that phosphate level. And then, of course, with a salt cell, removing the phosphates is an absolute must. You have to. Phosphates like to coat things. That's why they use it in water treatment. Yes, that's true. Some water treatment centers use orthophosphate, which is the exact kind of phosphate that algae needs because it coats things like the inside of lead pipes that used to be used years ago, the same kind of lead pipes that caused a problem in Flint, Michigan. So we do add those things to water. So you might just want to check your phosphate level coming out of the tap. If the municipality uses phosphates, that could be an issue. And we already know all the rest of them use chloramines. And we talked about that last week as well. So the ability of heavy metals to remove phosphates is huge in algae control. But wait, there's more. Not only can you remove phosphates, but you can actually kill algae and bacteria with metals. All metals, with the exception of one, will cause lysis to occur on cells. Algae cells, bacteria cells. Lysis is the disruption of the cell membrane. It breaks through and causes it to spill its guts. The problem is you can't get a high enough level in your pool. I mean, you can. You're just not supposed to. It's not recommended. It's against label instructions. It's against EPA direction for you to get a level high enough to actually kill it all in one shot. Look at copper, for example. The maximum amount of copper that you're allowed in a swimming pool is one part per million. One. The level of copper it takes to kill, let's just go hard and heavy with black algae, cyanobacteria, the amount of copper it takes to kill cyanobacteria in water is five parts per million. So anytime you use a copper algicide and you follow the instructions, the label instructions as far as dosing is concerned, and trust me, you absolutely should every single time, you're using less than a lethal dose which is why it takes so long to kill it using those products. Preventing's not a problem. It works a lot better there because it's much, much easier to prevent algae from becoming established than it is to kill it once it's already there. The other benefit we get from copper is it interferes with something known as the Calvin cycle. The Calvin cycle is process all photosynthetic bacteria and algae from black algae through diatoms to your floating green schmutz, uses to convert sunlight and CO2 into carbohydrates so that it can feed itself. Where exactly does this occur? It's in the process known as photosystem 2, which is the electron transport chain for the algae cells. Copper will also inhibit cell division in diatoms, which is important because that's how diatoms... That's how they multiply, by splitting in half and becoming two diatoms, and then those two become 16, and those 16 become, and that's the process in which that grows. So it's cell division. And diatoms, of course, we know that's mustard algae. Silver, 
which we also use, lyses, bacteria, and algae cells extremely well also. The added benefit of using silver is something known as the oligodynamic effect. Silver is the strongest oligodynamic metal, second only to mercury. So silver is the only one we can use. We won't be pouring mercury into anybody's pools. That would piss some people off. When you add silver algicide to a swimming pool, the silver in that algicide, not only does it cause lysis to occur like we spoke of, where it ruptures the cell membrane and causes it to leak out, but the silver enters the cell, just as the copper does, and how copper interferes with the Calvin cycle, silver actually inhibits the reproduction mechanism and cell division, just like copper. Silver also blocks metabolic actions within the cell. Here's the kicker. Scientists don't know exactly how this works. Not yet, anyway. They have a lot of theories, but nobody knows for sure. It's a mystery. There are a lot of folks looking at zinc nowadays as well as an additive to pool water for algae control. When zinc is added, not only does zinc cause lysis just like the other metals. I said there was only one that did not. And these three are not it. The one that does not cause lysis, if you've listened to some of the other episodes I've mentioned it before, is stainless steel. But every other metal does cause lysis to occur. But with zinc, the benefit here is that there is growth inhibition of the microalgal cells. We also see a decrease in cell density. If you're using a product that contains all three, like the Blu-ray XL products that we have as a sponsor for our Friday podcast, they use copper sulfate, silver, and also zinc. That's not just a one-two punch. That's not a one-two-three punch. You're looking at like a six, seven, eight, nine, ten punch on algae. But again, the problem, as I mentioned before, is the levels that you're allowed to attain in a swimming pool. You have FIFRA determining levels of what's safe for safe drinking water. And of course, nearly everything we adhere to in a swimming pool is based off of safe drinking water guidelines, even though people don't drink copious amounts of pool water. Don't get me started. But the bigger problem, again, for you would be the staining. At a level of five parts per million of copper or a five part per million silver level, it would be near impossible for you to maintain that pool without screwing up the plaster or the liner or the fiberglass or what have you. So we go with the lower level. And then we need time. So these products, fantastic preventatives, and they do kill even the toughest of the tough. It's a lingering death for that algae in the pool. We could look to alum, aluminum sulfate. There could be an advantage here because we know aluminum sulfate forms a flock that settles to the floor of the pool, and then you vac to waste, a slow vac to waste using a portavac, not your customer's equipment, ridding the pool of that aluminum hydroxide sludge. That takes the aluminum with it. It removes it from the pool water as long as you flock the pool correctly and vacuum it carefully so as not to stir it all up again. You'll be removing the aluminum that you put in. We've run tests afterwards to see what was left behind. The EPA secondary contamination guideline, 0.2 parts per million of aluminum that's permitted to be in drinking water. So we look at that guideline. And when I say a guideline, it's not even a regulation because they don't regulate it. It's a suggestion. And the suggestion is in place 
because it pertains with taste and smell. Nobody wants their water to taste funny. Nobody wants it to smell funky. So that's why that's in place. But we've never exceeded that 0.2 part per million level following an aluminum sulfate flock. So you get the benefit of it dropping out the phosphates. Now here's the thing. Because it will drop everything out and we will be removing the aluminum, you can get a much higher level of metal in that water. Aluminum is nowhere near as good at, as copper or silver at lysis. It doesn't have all those extra benefits going on that you see in those products. But what I can do with aluminum that I can't do with those products is I can get a level of 14 parts per million overnight until I vac it out the next morning, until it all settles to the floor. 14 parts per million. And we've had cases where we've used aluminum sulfate at a dose rate of 8.33 pounds per 10,000 gallons. That gives me 100 parts per million of aluminum sulfate in the water, which is roughly, it depends on where you get it, who manufactured it, but somewhere between 8 to 14 parts per million of aluminum in that water up and through the point where you slow vac it out to waste. That means even though it's not as strong as those other metals, because I could have so much more in the water, it was a lot more powerful, and we've actually seen in instances, not all, but some, where black algae literally just falls off the wall during the process. It's not the simplest thing to use. We know this. It's picky. It's pH-dependent. It's temperature-dependent. We know those things, so it's not the easiest thing to use. It's hard to find in a bulk quantity. We know that also. And if you're buying small two-pound containers, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Even if you find it on Amazon, it might be at a good price, but wait till you see what they charge you to ship it to get it to you. Demand it through distribution if it's something that you're going to do. And do make sure you have a portavac. Don't use the customer's equipment. Until that point, Use the products that are there that are available. Go with your Blu-ray XL, your copper sulfate algicides. Go with your silver algicide. Just make sure that you do your due diligence and that you own a test kit for every type of metal that you put into that water. So this way you can test it after the addition and then also periodically going forward so you can make sure that you don't exceed those maximum levels. That's what I had for you this week. We're approaching trade show season. And I have a couple of appearances I'm going to be making. So if anybody wanted to stop by and see me, that would be super, super cool. I will be at the Aqua Show in Charlotte, North Carolina, this October, actually October 5th. I have a session there. It's going to be on algae. I got some new stuff. I wanted to share that with everybody. It's on black algae specifically. So if you're going to that show, make sure you catch my session. If you're not going to the show reconsider it. This is going to be a monster show. The Aqua Show used to be the show of shows, and then it went away. But it is making its return this year in October in North Carolina. And again, I'll be there on October 5th with my session. Go to their website. It's aquamag.live. Aquamag.live. Coming up in February, I have another appearance. I'm actually teaching my algae certification class. It's the Algae Prevention and Eradication Specialist Certification, which does come with a certificate as well as a logo that you can use in your advertising, something that'll give you a marketing advantage and 
I'm also giving away my books in this one. That conference is February 13th through February 16th. I'll be talking about that more in the upcoming months. If you want to check that one out, Colorado Springs, it's at aquaticpros.org, aquaticpros.org. Check it out there. And again, you know the deal. If you're interested in a CPO class, hit me up on my site, cpoclass.com. Click the schedule of registration page. There you will see my live and virtual classes, the whole schedule up through the end of 2022. If you are interested in practicing for an upcoming CPO test that you have, doesn't matter who your instructor is, go to my site, cpoclass.com. Click on the CPO practice test tab, and there you'll find a whole bunch of good stuff that can help you be in the best shape you can possibly be in before stepping into that classroom. That's it for now. I'll catch you guys later. Check out my show with Andrea tomorrow. We have some cool stuff going on for you there. And, of course, I'll be back next Thursday with more CPO Thursdays. Be good. Be safe. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People, for the Pool People, by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 